I remember standing in an emergency department and it was so busy. I was holding a unit of blood in my left hand and I had a bedpan in the crook of my arm. I was holding two patients' notes, platelets in the other side, something bananas. Like if someone asked me to hold something, I couldn't, right? I was absolutely maxed out and somebody handed me the phone to answer a patient query. And I remember just starting to cry. And there was three people waiting to ask me questions. And I remember just going, guys, what am I meant to do here? Hello and welcome to This Is 8CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is 8CD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, I caught up recently with Sarah Kearns, a nurse from Dublin, Ireland. And myself and Sarah connected through a mutual desire to create a new service to reward their incredible nurses, alongside the incredibly talented Amy Huberman in Ireland. And all three of us are working on a project at the moment called Thank You Nurses. More on that later on in this episode. But anyway, you'll hear real life stories from Sarah and what life was like during the global pandemic and how hard these incredible people work on a day-to-day basis. I wanted to shine a light on this area of society where the work that we do as system and service designers has often a direct relationship with life and death. Now, I don't say this lightly, but Sarah really is truly one of my heroes. But they all are, and I know you're going to love this episode. Now, if you like what we're doing at This Is Hate CD, please help us out by leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It only takes a couple of minutes and really helps in the findability. Now, did you know that 70% of you listening have not subscribed to the little bell on Spotify or followed on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts? So please take the time to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're doing at the moment. It really helps us. Now, if you want to go one better, you can become a patron and you can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month and also get a shout out as thanks. And there's other plans there where you can get exclusive items too. And as I said, literally all the money goes towards directly to editing and hosting and maintaining our website, which is now a repository for design goodness with over 230, nearly 240 episodes, folks. Anyway, let's jump in. Sarah Kearns, a very warm welcome to This Is Hate CD. How is it going? Good. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Sarah, we, we've connected over the last uh, six months or so. Um, you're, you're based in Ireland, but you, you've got a an interesting current role at the moment where you're working at LinkedIn. And we can yeah. cover off some of that at the moment. But what we're really interested in, um, that's no uh, sort of slant against uh, LinkedIn, we're interested in your previous career as a nurse. <laughs> um, and so maybe tell us a little bit about you know, how long you practice as a nurse and where you practiced as a nurse and what area were you working in um, as a practitioner? So I was a nurse for 14 years. I trained in the, what is, you remember the Adelaide used to be in the centre of Dublin with all the spotty uniform as well. But they moved out to Tala and um, and they joined the Mead Hospital. They moved out to Tala. So I trained as a nurse in 2003 to 2007 out there. And I worked in the emergency department after that. And there for a year and I went to Australia. I lived in Australia and I worked in the Alfred Hospital in and a bit in the Epworth in Melbourne. I did that for about a year. Um, And then since then, I have worked predominantly in emergency departments on and off. And I trained as a midwife and I have just finished up my career. But for the moment, I'm I'm taking a bit of a hiatus, but in the intensive care unit in Vincent's Hospital. So I've been, yes, and I'm... um, 
I've just finished a maternity leave and I've just taken a little bit of a, a step away just for the moment. But I was in yeah. the ICU for most of the pandemic, maybe half of the pandemic. And then I went off and had a baby. Right. So much to unpack there. Yeah, I love the way you just... Yeah. Like in a typical Breathed nurse, over it. You, you provide so much value in a very short amount of time. You're just like, boom, 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 boom. So you're a midwife, you've worked in ICU, you've worked in all these different spaces. Now, the primary uh, listener to this is HCD are design practitioners, are change makers, people who, who want mm. to try and evoke change to make positive impact for, for humans who are working in business or society. Okay, so people listening here would be really interested to see how design actually came into your role like was uh how did you see improvements happen within the hospital space over your time because you mentioned that you, I think you qualified in 2004 was that right a, a three 2003 uh, i started my training in 2007 i finished it, it was a four-year degree program okay there's been so much change it's so interesting um and we're and then we're actually seeing Irish nursing in comparison to Australia was really big eye opener. Like, for example, well, what's funny, we'll go back to it later on, but like the fact that I'm in LinkedIn, I was laughing because, you know, like even the technology, if you think about technology that we use in medicine or in nursing is new. So it's so incredible and efficient and easy, easy, predominantly so particularly like we the platform that we used in the intensive care unit was so user friendly and so easy you could get your head around it in and the amount of data that it is um used so efficiently it was extraordinary but like I would have when I started my nursing training that was on it we used to have one of an an A3 piece of paper um and that's where you kept all your information but then I suppose that where I suppose nursing and technology go hand in hand, it is really interesting because in some ways I remember typing at a desk. People think when you sit and you type at the end of a patient's bed, you're kind of nearly on Google and taking a bit of a break. But when you're physically writing a note, you'll be like, I'll be with you again. I see you're busy nurse. <laughs> really? But I don't think it's the same if you're so there I don't know. And it, you know, there is that kind of um the ICU is amazing. But even when it comes to anything, when I started my training there was a lot of healthcare attendants in particular and a few nurses that still wore the dresses like who didn't wear trousers on a daily basis and mm. even we were wearing these tunics and trousers and they looked smart but they were so uncomfortable they were fitted tunics mm. and that is sort of evolved they still wear them but a lot of you know they'd get them refreshed and designed every couple of years but then when I, most of my career since I qualified has been wearing scrubs and they're not as smart but they are so practical and so comfortable and you're very um you know something you spillages and, mm. and bodily fluids could end up on you at any of all all calibers um can end up on you during the day so you can just do a, a change of uniform and, and it's easy absolutely scrub use absolutely. yeah it's, it's been amazing the changes in medicine in the last 14 15 years has been extraordinary let's talk about that just going to click something here for a second where i'm going to record recording in progress some of the videos because i might use some of your um beautiful video uh, to share some of the stuff on social media um <clears throat> so over the last 14 years as you said there's been such a shift because you you were there just at the drop of the iphone okay and that typically is uh is, a, is kind of a shift before. something happened yeah just before like 2007 the drop mm -hmm. of the iphone um i think i'm right anyway people would be like no Joe, it was 2006 i think it was 2007 things started to change a little bit more 
Um, and we were just chatting there before around palliative care and ICU experiences that I've had over the number of years. My, my father died two years ago and we, we had to have that whole kind of connection um, and use of technology to bring other family members in because it was during the pandemic. What was the, what was the single biggest change that you noticed in that period where technology was suddenly being brought into the room, so to speak? And you mentioned there about the A3 piece of paper. When you look back in it, what 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 are your um, thoughts at that time? Like, are there any anecdotes that you can you can tell us what what it was like in that shift? Well, you know, you know, you're very close to the patient when you when you had your AP three A three piece of paper and you're at the end of the bed and you'd stand or you'd bring a stool over and you'd write the notes and you always had your eye on the patient. You're very much so with the patient, and I think mm. the shift in technology potentially not in the intensive care unit, but if you can imagine. If you physically write notes, you can bring them, you can write them sitting on the patient's bed, sitting on the chair beside mm. the patient. It's all very inclusive, but the move away technology, we haven't quite caught up because I think that, you know, there could be a computer in the nurse's station, which may be in the next room over to the patient's room, that mm. sort of thing. So I don't think we're quite there yet. The first time I ever used technology on a day-to-day, like an award level, I was in a private hospital in Dublin. Um, and they had it and we had we had a lot of there was a lot of laughter in it because it was computer on wheels the cow and like yeah. everyone like rolling around laughing but like for about a year then would we move over your cat like it was brilliant but that was very that was my first but it was a kind of a an arduous um platform like it was just really sort of hard and, and what was interesting for me is going from written notes where you would really get in depth you'd be in a flow and you're typing away. And I think that probably notes got shorter. I don't know where, I'd love to look back at the data. It was such a change in how we even wrote about our patients throughout Mm. the day. I don't know where we're missing any particular detail, but now it is particularly in the intensive care unit. So our monitors hook up now to computers that are in every room and onto this gorgeous platform um, everything just the flow is so easy and you can if you could imagine the physical tracking which would have been done like from dot joining dots in a temperature sort of like it looks yeah. like the top of a mountain range that is now all plotted out for you so it is definitely improved you know medical <clears throat> notes taking yeah. massively so but it has been bizarre when you're saying the iphone the first time i ever came across an iphone when i was traveling in australia in 2008 but when i was in college there was none. We were on Nokia somethings. I think yeah. we were able to take crappy pictures because I remember being in, at a party in Trinity and the Phil in Trinity had invited out. Paddy Cosgrave was involved in this, inviting over Ron Jeremy. You know, the porn star. <sighs> yeah, we talk. do. Well, yeah, I know I mean, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes wide. We, it was actually the most interesting talk. I know he's, um, he's uh, a lot have come out re- recently about him just not being great. But back, it was fascinating there had been a recent outbreak in hiv in porn in the porn industry and hmm. he gave big talk it was amazing but i did ah we had sharpies and we got him to sign the top of our chest ron was here we were taking <laughs> pictures on a crappy ladies and gentlemen <laughs> as you can see i need to have a disclaimer on this episode with sarah kearns sarah kearns is um absolutely hilarious we've met up in person and, and had a lot of laughs um I want to ask you. My dad relieved he didn't know who he was. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. like 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 I just feigned uh, interest. Come here. Um, 
you mentioned there about the, the iPhone and you had your Nokia's and stuff like that. But when you look back at that period, and also now, like up until recently, within the last 18 months, you were working as a nurse, like in, in Irish hospitals and in the ICUs. What have we lost through the introduction of technology into the systems of healthcare? What do you feel we've, we've lost? Well, certainly as an absolute basis, um, I, I think there is that le- extra level of anxiety, possibly privacy. And I, because I was in Temple Street with my littlest um, uh, after febrile seizure on Wednesday. Yeah. And on the walls, they have signs everywhere going, please no recording or video, um, taking videos inside the department. And and they're, they're all over the walls. And if you can imagine what I took a picture of Theo in my arms, right? A selfie Theo to, to reassure oh. my husband, whatever, look at his colors and proof blah. But when you think about it, what if I took a picture of somebody accidentally or, mm. or even, do you know, a huge part of it? There was a story that that element of privacy, people taking photographs of me in my work day, yeah. potentially, and people maybe putting it up on face. This was the nurse that was looking after me because medical litigation and everything you know if you could think even that element of things i think that it is a, it, it is unnerving we were talking about an incident of a, a famous per- person being caught caught snogging someone and mm. um, not caught but like filmed snogging mm. someone on thursday last week or whatever last weekend and that that element of privacy being gone like it what i think in some ways social media has been the best thing to happen in society, but has also been the worst. When yeah. you, that that I I do know of a case that um there was a an a perceived error made by um a healthcare member, and a photograph of them was taken. Somebody knew their name. You can just put their name into Facebook. Oh, there they are. They were in Lanzarote last week. And then a post put up about them. This person did X, Y, and Z has resulted in these adverse reactions. And like it's it's sort of you know the. I remember being th- th- this particular instance was um, about a midwife. And I remember thinking, God, that is just, you know, it's, it's you know, no jury, you know, trial, just all oh, social media. It's just around that element of privacy is gone. However, definitely in COVID, it was fascinating and amazing yeah. to have technology. For example, there was so many times if you think about the first wave, I was there for the first um and halfway through the second wave i was pregnant with my third baby so we were all sent home do you remember that at christmas yeah. 21 yeah we were sent home because um the it risk. was so dangerous yeah um yeah to be pregnant at that time um and it, it, and it was a really savage that second wave of covid was really savage and the healthcare members got sick it was around the christmas remember the vaccines came in in mid january hmm. so we all the healthcare members um were, were yeah to top the queue and they were and there was a bit of safety brought in with the vaccine but um if you think about it there was remember that at the beginning and for particularly first or second way if you were close contact you had to isolate and all that sort of stuff. it's still the same now right but uh as a result we had like nurses in general or do- whatever it would all tell you probably stories of the same thing that there we patients that were dying but because they're close it didn't matter if they were a daughter or a cousin mm. or whatever it didn't matter how close they were to the person if they were close contact they couldn't come into the hospital That's right so there was <clears throat> an incredibly awful stories mm. of people dying and their daughter couldn't come in or their That's right. never i just can't even but as a result we were then on 
WhatsApp video calling and I use my own personal phone on millions of occasions yeah. where people want to bring because them in. it's lovely seeing someone or even someone maybe that they've just recently woken up or mm. I noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that an awful lot. But I just want to take you back to um, what we were talking there about social media um, and and data. Okay, so so one of the biggest instances in in Irish kind of recent history is the Vicky Feeling case, where um, Vicky Feeling was, you know, she went through this whole kind of litigation process with the government. She found. Uh, her notes at the end of her bed or by the consultant I think it was and it showed that you know she had been um, presented back with with false records is that right on on her on her smear tests yeah it was an like by chance finding of her she read her medical notes and discovered that they were aware that she had got a false negative on her smear test several years before by chance yeah so you know in maternity this mm. is a really interesting topic and yeah. I'm no expert and I just don't, but I'm I happy, happily give my opinion on this. Yeah. In maternity care, you have access to your notes. Now this has changed since COVID and I'm unsure it's all gone to, I know in a lot of the maternity hospitals, they've now gone onto the computer system, but traditionally that you took your notes home with you and you took them back in for your appointments and it makes the flow of coming to regular appointments easier because if you think, right, so you have an outpatient's appointment. So a doctor X is holding their clinic for their patients. Okay. Mm. In order, in order for him to have, or her to have all the information on the patients, they basically make a list of where everyone's coming. And then someone goes down to the whatever room and picks up the medical notes and then brings them up. And they have the stack of medical notes waiting for people, Mrs. X or Mr. Whoever to come in. You, the doctor takes the, the chart and has a look and the nurses write the notes. The flow is a lot easier when somebody takes home their notes themselves, then just brings it back into clinic, except when you forget it, <laughs> which is a bit of a disaster. Yeah. When, when you say they, you mean the doctors, the doctors or the consultant takes the notes home? No, the patient. The patient takes the notes home. There. That okay. was traditionally how it did. So you would have your notes with yeah. you all the time. So when you came in in labor and actually, it, actually, that was sort of an interesting thing because, well, not that you'd have it away, but that has all been changed since COVID. So they weren't giving the notes out, giving notes out because, you know, they were saying that, you know, COVID was obviously transmissible through surfaces and all this yep. sort of stuff that had changed. But here's the counter argument to it. I think that people should have access to their medical records mm. 100%. And what happened, Vicky Feeling, should not have happened. And yeah. Everything about that was wrong. But here's the interesting thing. What if I, as a midwife or a nurse, needed to write a piece of information that for example that i suspected domestic abuse Mm. so there's you know or something some information about somebody that was really integral that was really sensitive but really important is so private Mm. where do the notes fit into that and that's where the technology is good because they can have them or for example if i'm a staff member and i'm going into hospital for um, a procedure and I maybe I have type 1 diabetes and I'm really public about it but what if I didn't want people to know about that do you know what I mean yeah. and just say I'm having a procedure and maybe in the hospital that I work in and people just like imagining the, the people private using, notes they never would yeah private notes and they're reading them so there is that element of privacy so I, I wonder you know they, now I know that when it is they if a staff member or somebody 
who has who is extra private notes you know that extra layer yeah. of privacy you have to do it and your staff member trying to get into another staff member's mm. note you it'll be restricted so yeah. they have brought in things but i did you know i think to that transition i wonder what slipped through the net who who would own the data in that instance would it how do you see that fitting in would it be at the hospital level or would it be at a government level and or be at your health provider level, like VHI or Layer. Who, who do you see as being? Obviously, it would be great if the, the patient was able to own it. Like if there was some sort of system there. The hospital. I'm pretty sure that it's the hospital for a certain period, and then they are obliged to hold on to it. That's why you see a lot of cases, um, for example, litigation, um cases taken against hospitals but they're yeah. they're obliged to hold on to notes for a certain length of time 25 yeah. years and probably with GDPR as well there's yeah there's... but I think it has has opened up because it should be you should have full access to your medical notes but then the interesting thing is that you know you should have full access but I think there has to be education brought in mm. to having access because there could be blood tests just saying run as you know when you go in you say hey doctor or nurse i have a pain in my tummy the differential diagnosis is is wide open it could be from anything from your constipated up to you of cancer so it could be or an aneurysm or something serious so there could mm. be a wide differential of diagnosis and actually you, that's where it's sort of that um discovery you know that that questioning yeah uh, it's the same in sales you need to like get down to the root cause of the problem but you know if you imagine if you had access to your notes and you see somebody's doing cancer bloods you should be i suppose you should know what why somebody's doing a blood test on you but then there's that level of fear and not everyone wants to know you yeah. know the amount of people it is it's a funny i think it, there could be massive amounts of gray areas but i do think that technology the idea that i could be in and um, you know donegal on my 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 summer holidays and i'm found collapsed right i'm brought in they find my, my name is sarah currens and um, and they go on to some sort of nationwide da database they type in sarah kearns they come up with and they see they're able to see then and there that i have type 1 diabetes like mm. that's transformative in terms of healthcare. Th that is something that can happen right now is that what you're saying no they're it's working not. towards it yeah. that national database yeah i mean from my own personal um case like this year has been a rotten year for me folks um my mum got covid in in june and had covid complications everything that everyone does not want to hear when you're um the youngest child. I'm very close to my mum. And I had to basically intervene with the, the hospital and, and be the next of kin. And it was like the people in Beaumont Hospital were were just out of this world, like the, the angels. Okay. And that's ultimately why myself and yourself are connected through through Amy. We're working on something which we can talk a little bit more about in a minute. But the whole experience of dealing with people in Beaumont and then can kind of saying, okay, moving between the wards. And the wards have got notes and then the files passing to another ward and then me trying to get access to the information and staying on them because obviously it's still COVID and it's, the system is under immense pressure. But then luckily my mum made somewhat of a recovery and had to go to a recuperation place, um, another incredible place called Contarf Hospital um, in Ireland. And the notes were in Beaumont. We were waiting for the notes to be carried across and it just felt like, you know, even my mum was kind of like, saying, well, we just have to wait because this this is the system. This is the, we, we can't change this right now. It's it seems like some parts of it around data is still living in the dark ages. It's still living in the whole kind of like the paper based 
scenario of, of physically writing notes and passing it across. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you see that evolving? Like, um, they need every every GP practice and a lot of GP practice, for example, which is a really good example, are owned by a company, Centric Health. So, and um, they would run. Um, not necessarily owned, but they would be in, you know, working together. So a lot of those notes are, as a, imagine a, a place that I present to the emergency department uh, with a child and my child with information and we can see the fa- last five times that they've arrived. But mm. we need every hospital, every institution, everyone to be up and running on a computer system that can all work together. And now we'll have a national database. And like, they, they it, it, it'll take more time but I it, it needs to be the way it's going to go and like when I it, up until recently if somebody had a cat scan just say somebody came in and they suspected or they seen that somebody had had a brain bleed hmm. they needed the, the specialist you know um doctors would for example be in Beaumont so we would have to get call a taxi to put a cd with a scan on it into the taxi and the taxi man would drive the scan over oh. to Beaumont Hospital at 2 or 3 a.m. during the day, whatever. Yeah. But now the the, the systems are centralized. So there's a huge, uh, on part, not in all cases, but like there, there's a huge development in, in technology. Technology is the key to healthcare. It's what's driving it forward, but it's just a slow, expensive, arduous mm. system. I want to go back just a little bit earlier in this conversation where I was talking about what have we lost from a human perspective at the, from the nurses level who are at the bedside. Um, what have we lost and what have we gained by the introduction of technology from the human perspective, the human interaction level. Okay. So um, do you feel it's, it's easier to do your job with technology now to provide a more human experience or do you feel it's, we've kind of lost some elements to that where do you think i think predominantly it's been for the better and i think because i think that you have more time with the patient if technology if it's easier to take somebody's temperature or they have a temperature Mm. probe that's continuously monitoring it means that you don't have to go find a temperature probe is there batteries in it do i need the caps at the top of the tympanic or whatever 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 all these systems and the easier those those things become the more time you have with the patient i think i think that bedside time with the patient is integral to somebody's recovery Mm. um and and generally speaking nurses because of who nurses are they want to be with the patient at the bedside Mm. and they see the importance but here's the actual crux of it and it's not even my technology things are so busy now yeah it is extraordinarily It's difficult. unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable. I remember standing. Breaking point in, level. Okay. Oh, breaking point. I remember standing in a in an emergency department. And I, 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 it was so busy. I had, I was holding a unit of blood in my left hand and I had a, a bedpan under my left in the crook of my arm, I was holding two patients' notes, platelets in the other side, something bananas. Like I literally couldn't, if someone asked me to hold something, I couldn't, right? I was absolutely maxed out and somebody handed me the phone to answer a patient query. And I remember just starting to cry. And I was like, guys, and there was three people waiting to ask me questions. And I remember just going, guys, what, like, what am I meant to do here? What, how am I meant 
to cope with this how this is and how does the people know how busy they are but you're just meant to cope Mm. you're just meant to cope that tiredness the exhaustion is just to uh, like the particularly uh, like when i worked in the icu and sick as patients are getting sicker we're living longer there's more core morbidities people are you know, there's loads, loads of so much with the obesity, with everything. Like there's so mm. many issues towards people getting sick. They've never been sicker. And technology is obviously a huge part of that. Yeah. But actually, when you think about the nurses at the ward level in particular, at breaking point, yeah. there would be. I remember these the stories like um, of some wards that nurses wouldn't have got a toilet break they'd have to bring the phone with them to the toilet like you wouldn't be able to so you know imagine trying to to have a drink during the day and at 3 p.m in the day they may not have had a break for a cup of tea or something to eat it is relentless i do not know how like i'm on a career break for the first time i didn't realize how exhausted i was until i took a career break it's an unbelievably challenging but it's a brilliant career and it's so interesting (laughs) it's not i'm not i don't mean i don't i never talk negative about it it's the best thing i ever did um to be a nurse but it is just so hard i think ultimately the better technology and take away those little mini, mini tasks of trying to find this and that. And like, if you think about taking um, a blood pressure, if anyone's ever been in the hospital, the nurse has gone around and trying to find a, a plug socket to charge yeah. the blood pressure monitor. <laughs> so if all that is gone and they're just above the bed in a constant plug socket, like all of those little they're arduous the basics. tasks. They're the basics. On that, my yeah. my mum was was back in Bowman there um, last week, the week before maybe to, to get some x-rays done. Uh, again, post-COVID related, and they were there for 14 hours. Okay, my mum's 81, and um, but she didn't she didn't bat an eyelid. My mum's incredible in that sense. She was just like, well, this is, there's other people here who are sicker than me. She kept on saying, I was like, ma'am, you're 81. But she's, incredible. I know, yeah, but, but when you've been in hospital for five months like my mum was, they change perspective on, on a lot of things. But yeah. they said that there was nurses, and my mom does not exaggerate, folks. They're not like me. Okay, <laughs> They were sprinting. She said they were sprinting at two o'clock in the morning from room to room. She goes, it wasn't even a case of like walking briskly. These guys and folks were just just absolutely, you know, full tilt for for so long. And I don't know how they can continue doing this. Like, so every little, little helps, like, you know. Sarah, um, I know we're, we're we're probably coming close to to time on on this episode, um, but one of the things that you you mentioned there was the the shift from you know being completely burnt out. What what advice do you give to people who are designing in the healthcare space at the moment, who um are interested in learning more about, I guess, ma- making things a little bit easier for for the people, the practitioners, um, like yourself in that space what are the things that you, you can really tell them what what we where you feel it, it, they can improve on i think that the computer i know that the term user friendly is really out there but if you mm. think about in particular like an apple what like what makes apple you you know more than this about this than me but you know that term user friendly i think is probably overused but i really mean it in this if you think about nurses and doctors the the 
it's extraordinary. So you have a nurse that may be 21 from Clontarf in Dublin, went to what, right, right up to 65 from mm. maybe Central Africa, who's lived in Ireland for 20 years, whatever, yeah. the, the, and across multi, like, I could, I don't know how many, I think somebody said at some some stage in Vincent's Hospital, there was like 70 nationalities, something really Incredible. wow. Right? Yeah. Incredible. So the languages, the age, the culture backgrounds, the everything. So when you are, when you're designing, I think, um, when you're designing a, a, a product that people get to choose, right? So mm. if you, if you're designing two phones, okay, people are going to come and they have a choice. When you are coming to designing healthcare products, people don't have a choice. They're given yeah. them and they're like, this is what you have to use, right? So if you take into consideration, you might have a 21 year old whiskey or they might be dyslexic or whatever, right up to somebody's older who may be still on a Nokia 2210. So you need to make it to that extent mm. user friendly. It's so much about graphics um, you know, and color coordination, clear big tabs, not yeah. oh busy, not overly busy um platform pages as user friendly as po- uh, as possible. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's hugely important because of the culture diversity. It is it's just enormous in hospitals. It needs um, to be a, so to be able to be adaptable as well to those adaptable. Yeah, multilingual. Absolutely. It's multilingual and easily like top right. You want this in Spanish, whatever. Top right, a translation tool. Uh, it, that yeah. would make a huge difference. Imagine there was a you know. So some people would a translation tool that was really easy to find on 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 the page because if you think about the amount of people, like obviously English is going to be the first language in whatever hospital if you're in France is going to be French blah 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 mm. but so as user friendly as possible but imagine a, a space that someone is able to just to use like a Google Translate-esque tool to find words easily like you're going to have far a higher caliber of note writing and things I, like that. I saw that actually firsthand in, in Bowman Hospital people using Google Translate on the ward because we people from other nationalities sitting in there and they, yeah. weren't, they weren't able to communicate between the doctors and, and the patients so um but again it was i think it wasn't even the doctor's phone i think it was someone else who was just in the ward gave him the phone and said we, we we can do this it, it was a, it was a kind of a, a crowd or a hustle mentality of we're all here to try and help we all want to get the same outcomes for everyone in the room and i think i even went over at one point and i was like hey do you want me to try and use google google translate but they, they'd already got the phone in situation imagine the gdpr implications of that so if you and i was have- yeah they're telling me if something. Patient, it's unbelievable. So if you have a patient, for example, that's really sick and they have their family members in, maybe it's English, they, they don't speak English, you have to go, we have to go through a translation company that's obviously verified and vetted because yeah. you're potentially getting them to translate really, really sensitive yeah. There's the parentification elements there. If the child has got the technology and they're more savvy than their parents yeah. and they're and then they're privy to the, the, the health implications the health data of their parent as well and they're like mommy yeah. you've got some serious stuff going on and they're translating it back it, it's quite difficult now yeah. um we, we were chatting there we just mentioned a little bit on something that myself and yourself come together and we're working on like and, and amy as well of course i let you talk about it because you're spearheading this i'm just sitting in the background kind of going we could probably do it one of the things when i was helping my mum uh, and my mom was kind of mum mom whatever we want to call her mum mammy the whole lot um She's a typical Irish mummy, a mammy, and she said that um, when she was coming out of hospital, uh, she sent my brother down with a wad of notes and said, this is what you need to buy. And I was the one who had to pick this 
order up and there was 25 boxes of uh, Cadbury's Heroes. There was several dozen big boxes of McVitie's biscuits and it, I literally looked like a Santa Claus walking in through the wards just dropping these chocolates mm-hmm. as a way of giving back and thanking the people who were working in there. And that's how we've connected as well. So I'll let you take over and, and talk about where the idea of thank you nurses came from. That's such a good idea. One thing that nurses absolutely love is an afternoon <laughs> an afternoon break. So when I have my babies or whatever that I bring back, I was bringing a cake. Yeah. For them to have with a cup of tea at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, absolutely lush. Like, couldn't yeah. think of anything nicer. Like a butler's coffee cake. Oh, the dream. Um, <laughs> so um, it was, there was a horrendous night in, um, I suppose it's about six no, um, months ago, that there was um, and the, the team in an emergency department, um, there was some children had died. It was a horrific night. And um, someone contacted Amy Huberman, and said who's a pal and they said like she you know is there anything um any any chance that you would put up on your instagram i would absolutely love to get these girls and guys whoever tickets to see gareth brooks as sort of a, a way of thanking them because they had really had a rough time so but amy was so pleasantly surprised because she was absolutely inundated with offers people saying hey i've five gareth brooks tickets if if anyone if, if you want them, you can give them away. So she basically, someone got involved and helped her. And she she was, people were suggesting that they had tickets for all sorts of gigs and things. So then we said, wouldn't we love to do this um, as a sort of a general thing? So we call it, we're calling it Thank You Nurses. And we're going to focus on nurses because um, we will expand as we go, but as a really good starting point we're going to focus on nurses and the idea the concept and the idea jerry got him contacted amy as well that's how i met you and said listen i am i can do the it part i can do the website and and kind of the traffic control whatever you need so the three of us so i'm going to be what we're going to do is basically have an instagram page a website and what we're going to do is Amy's going to boost it. So she's going to say, hey, guys, Temple Street is up this month. I'm going to put it on the Instagram page to say Temple Street ED is up this month. Tala Hospital will be maybe the two weeks later or a month. We're trying yeah. to get into a good flow. And the idea would be that you would say, hey, I have four tickets to see Deirdre O'Kane. Brilliant. So you go onto the website, you log your information, tell us what you have what you'd like to donate and the idea is it's put through this flow and the the person we're going to have a contact person in each hospital yeah i worked around ireland i think i have a contact person in every hospital i'm going to link up with this and the idea is there's going to be a contact hospital in just say south tip and they will say brilliant they the person then the information will go about the four dear Joe Kane tickets to the person in south tip and then they're going to uh, give them out in the hospital to whoever they want yeah so connecting rewards it's a connecting rewards yeah to the, it's just a simple thank you isn't it absolutely just to the nurses at the moment that's what we're just to the nurses we will expand we're going to focus on the um the teaching hospitals the main teaching hospitals yeah. at the moment and um, just as a starting point i think we will expand as we go because you know the staff in Beacon Hospital in yeah. the bond, like work so hard and it's not a slight. It's just literally you know it's like anything. We'll we'll just start in the teaching hospitals. We'll get the vibe. We'll get the flow. 
and then we'll expand. I love the fact you, you're using the lingo and teaching you all these different, you know, oh, we'll iterate, we'll iterate, so we'll, iterate. <laughs> we'll start small and, you know, we'll do a small little sample and we'll see how it goes and we'll iterate. So yeah. it's a long term project. See, it's all sorts of tickets as well. We were saying like it's um like just say you might have four tickets to a rugby match or a football match or, you know, that yeah. you, you like to see them go to waste and that you just it's really simple. You, you come in because you, you have a really simple uh, for I'm really people. simple. Is that what you're saying? How dare you? Yeah. I'm not really simple. <laughs> user <laughs> friendly. It's user friendly. You're user friendly. Yeah. Well, we, we'll launch it probably in the new year. Okay. So, yeah. um, and stay tuned, folks. I'll probably throw a link of it out into the, the newsletter for this Insight CD as well. Like, you know, but Sarah, I know it's, it's a time for, for you and I want to thank you for everything that you do. And on behalf of all the, the people who listen to this podcast, um, thanks for being so open and honest about your experiences and working as a nurse, especially during the pandemic. I said the word angel in there and it's not something I throw around quite uh, flippantly. Honestly, like what one thing that has come out of the pandemic that I feel is the kind of the rebalancing, the recalibration of of people in society who really need our deepest thanks. So um, from the bottom of my heart, I know I've had a lot of experience in, in, in sort of working and dealing with the healthcare in the last year in Ireland all of you and your peers are absolutely incredible so thank you so much for everything that you've done and continue to do for the Irish healthcare system so that's from the bottom of my heart I will pass it on to the girls that are still working really hard I don't know how they're they're incredible particularly the girls uh, in Vincent's ICU have really they're amazing they are amazing. And like, as I was saying that I, I worked, I was booted out halfway through the second wave with the girls kept going yeah. day in, day out in with really, really, really sick people with the hardest um, yeah. um, situations. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, look, I'll throw a link to your LinkedIn as well. So if anyone wants to connect mm-hmm. with Sarah and ask questions, Sarah's on 2FM as well, regularly enough every Thursday with uh, Jennifer Zamparelli. I'm saying the surname right? Jennifer yeah. Zamparelli. Yeah. So, um, so check in uh, on 2FM if you want to stay up to date on what Sarah's doing. All right, Sarah, mm-hmm. thanks so much for your time. Thanks a million. Bye. And there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>